Hello and welcome back to the Two Kinky Women podcast where we dish about everything kink. I am your co-host, Midnight Lady, and my partner is Mistress Gabrielle. Welcome, fellow kinksters and uh, wannabe kinksters. You've come to the right place. Hope everybody's doing well. Um, we are. It's been uh, it's been a couple of really interesting months in the old two kinky women life. It really has. We've got some great stuff to talk about tonight. In fact, um, or whenever you're getting this uh, this podcast. Uh, One of the things I'm going to remind everybody about is we need to hear from you folks. Two Kinky Women Podcast.com. That's our website. Take a look and then get back to us. Let us know what turns you on, what turns you off, or what you'd like to have us talk about. Tonight, we've got a really good subject, I think. Uh, Not too long ago, we went to uh, a big event, world-class event, over 600 people. Midnight Lady, myself, and a few of the other people that we know, we were all there. We had um, a lot of fun. We had a lot of good times, and some of the times were not so great, but that's the way it is at an event. Uh, but by and large, it was pretty damn good. And we'd like to talk about tonight some of the things that we saw going on, some of the things we heard about going on, and some of the things that should not have gone on. Um Midnight Lady, you want to uh, give us a little bit more detail on that? Sure. So this event was four days, four nights, uh, dungeon parties every night, classes, mixers. Uh, Mrs. Gabrielle and I did uh, speed dating, kinky speed dating. And we did a tea party. On Sunday, which was phenomenal. It really was. It was a wonderful time. So was the kinky speed dating. It was quite interesting to get so many people. We had over 75 people attend. Amazing. And there were people who were disappointed because they couldn't get in. We just didn't have any more space. We we did not have any more space. Um, We took over the entire lobby. And it was... (laughs) We did actually. They were not expecting right. the space that they gave us. the The promoters did not expect that we would have such a huge turnout. Right, right. So we had to get very creative. Right. Um, but I was dismayed a little bit because there were some people who came in that wanted to participate, but there were no submissive seats left because there was more submissive people than there were dominant people, um, and so. Uh, a lot of people were insulted that that we would even ask them to sit in a dominant seat, and and I was like, um, okay, you asked me to get you into the event. I'm right. getting you into the event. Right. And and you don't want to sit in in the seat for the dominant. And I thought that kinky speed dating is a little bit of a misnomer. When you go to these kinds of events, what you're trying to do is meet people. Right. So that for the rest of the weekend, you don't walk around looking like, you know. You uh, have no friends. Or you just lost your puppy. (laughs) Right? You don't want that to happen. So the thing is you meet people. Because if you're kinky speed dating, you have 75 people. Now you know 75 people. Right. Wow. And then you can build on that. And you can say, 
I remember you. You were at the speed dating. That's right. What are you doing? Oh, oh, that sounds interesting. Do you mind if I tag along? That's right. Or, you know, and it's just a great way to cement. That's right. And make friends. This is how it's done. That's right. And we even saw people playing in the dungeon that met at speed dating. Yes, indeed. So we were so happy to see that. Yeah. It always happens. It always happens. I have friends who met at speed dating are now married. Believe it or not. Yes, indeed. That was just that we was also, just a ton um, of fun. Uh, I was also part of a femme dom meet and greet. Yes, that which was, was wonderful, and uh, it was it was really it was really quite nice. One of the things that I really really enjoyed is we got a hotel room, not at the host hotel, but at the hotel that was very very close by, and we had a ground floor room. Wow, sweet. sweet. That was so nice because we didn't have to hassle with elevators. We were in, we were out. It was great. And we, we really paid, did enjoy it. Paid almost the same amount. That's right. For for a suite. Yeah. That if we had stayed at the host hotel, right. we would have gotten just your regular standard right. garden variety right. hotel. Room. So what are we saying? We're saying when you go to one of these events and things are not exactly the way you hope they would be, you go with what you got and you make the best out of the situation because I can guarantee you, by and large, it's gonna be terrific. Yeah. If even if it's not all terrific, it's gonna be ninety percent terrific and maybe ten percent eh. Or maybe 5% eh and 5% yuck. So believe me, you have the opportunity. Make the most of whatever opportunities you have when you go there. Normally, we would have liked to stay in the host hotel. That's right. But then some, due to certain circumstances beyond our control, that was not an option for us. Correct, correct. So getting the suite actually turned out to be even better. Right. That going forward, we might not even do that again. That's right. We would not get the host hotel. We That's would right. get somewhere else. Yeah. Less money and more amenities. I thought so. I really did. It had a cute little living space. It really was nice. Yeah. And so we could relax. We didn't have to sit on the bed. Right. We could talk. We could eat. Right. You know, it was a little kitchenette. It so was nice. It was It was wonderful. But, however... <laughs> well, uh, you know, like we said, that, that these events are so high energy. Um, and we were dealing with a new dynamic because you have a boy now. Right. And I'm the alpha. Right. So we had some logistical time and scheduling and we both wanted time alone with the mistress and time together. And um, so there was some... Some emotional things that needed to get worked out. And I think we did that. We did that. We addressed We addressed things yeah, that we wanted that, to address. That, I think that worked out pretty um, well. Because we, we uh, used our words. Right. And we asked for what we needed. Right. right. And, and so we were able to, for me to have time alone with you. And your boy was able to have time alone with you. And we were still able to do... Our two kinky women requirements for the uh, for the event, and play in the dungeon, right? And play in the room. And I had a uh, dominant women's panel on on Sunday afternoon, which Mm -hmm. was fabulous. Was well attended. I don't think there was. I think it was standing room only at that dominant Uh, women's panel, and that was being run by um, uh, Goddess Uh, Coco. uh, Goddess Coco. Goddess Coco ran that, and it was just it was just terrific. It really, really was. 
here's the problem, though. A lot of these events, there was, you know, what, how many classes? 50, 60 classes? Yes. Over four days. Yes. We're, we don't blow smoke up your ass. We've been doing this over 25 years. This is 26 right. years now for me. 26 years. As many for you. Right. Um, and we've been teaching. We've been doing this. This is not something we just picked up yesterday. This is we're recording the podcast now two years. More than two years. That's right. Wow. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fabulous, awesome. isn't it? Like and we do it all on our own. We don't have sponsors. That's, we no. don't have ads. We, we don't ask you to pay for anything at all. We are here for, for you. you. Just for the education, because right. we want to give back to the community that has supported us. That's right. That being said, with all of our experience, we see things, classes, that we felt were a danger. We were very upset with some of the classes that they were offering. One in particular was the erotic hypnosis class. Now, not well known, not widely known. I am. Uh, I do have a certification in uh, hypnotherapy. I'm a certified hypnotherapist. Uh, that does not mean I'm a hypnotist. It's a whole. That's more like entertainment right. hypnotism. That's the oh, make you stand, you know, cluck like a chicken on stage. Right. Uh, clinically certified hypnotherapists is much more education, a lot more education. The problem that I'm having that I saw was there was an erotic hypnosis class. Interesting. As a certified hypnotherapist, hypnosis is not something that you want to go mucking around in people's subconscious. That being said, the reason you don't go mucking around in people's subconsciousness. Now, you can do this with a partner that you know reasonably well. You are aware if they have any childhood trauma, any kind of uh, assault sexual assault, um, uh, domestic violence, any kind of trauma. That, so, But you don't find these things out on a second date. You find them out um, in the course of the relationship. So I read the guy's description for the class, and I was like, wow, this... Um, I would have gone in and, and, and had a conversation with this person, but by chance it was scheduled at the exact moment that kinky speed dating was also scheduled. So I did not get a chance to attend the class, but I would have liked to just to see what he was teaching. What really scared me was in the Yap app, is where everything was listed. So there was no booklet or, or no, no, program, all, printed program. Everything was online. It was all online. On your smartphone. On your smartphone, on the Yap app. Yeah. Which is great. Okay. And Everybody's also, doing that these days. Yeah. Every, every event in the last couple of years right. has had a Yap app. And there is a comment section. There is a, a, a communication chat section on the app. So you can actually chat with these people. Right. Before you meet them. And he was asking for people who know how to do hypnosis to come and do hypnosis on people. No 
evaluation that these people know what the fuck they're doing. No, nothing. Just strangers showing up to hypnotize other strangers. That is terribly unsafe. Horribly unsafe. And you might say, oh, it's so sexy and it's erotic and you can make somebody have an orgasm just by giving them a post-hypnotic suggestion. The problem with that is, A, they're strangers, so you have no idea if they have trauma in their past. Also, more often than not, people don't even know they have traumas in their past. And of course, the uh, that goes back to the uh, subject we have covered before, which is... Um, uh, more kingsters, at least this is what um, uh, sex therapists uh, show, more kingsters have trauma and um, uh, than the general population. I don't know in my own experience whether or not that's true, but the empirical data that uh, that we've been presented with says that it is. And what we, we are concerned about is whether or not people are working this trauma out in the scene. So uh, should we be using the Zenus therapy? Now, we, we had a good conversation with Gloria Bram a, a while back. And Gloria says, you know, the reality is the scene can be therapeutic. Uh, anything we do can be therapeutic. Going out to dinner in a wonderful restaurant can be therapeutic. Or, you know, just walking around in the woods on a beautiful day and hearing the birds can be therapeutic as well. So yeah, you know, it, it definitely can be therapeutic, but should we use the scene as therapy? I don't think so. We, I think we open up a big can of worms. We did a whole episode we did. on mental health and the kink scene right. where we go into depth about this topic. But this particular, the erotic hypnosis, here's another red flag for me. It says, so you show up at the class and you're going to let a stranger hypnotize you and give you a post-hypnotic suggestion to um, orgasm when you see a chicken. Just orgasm. You know, like, A, we always talk about trusting. You are doing pickup play in the dungeon. You don't want to do suspension with somebody you don't even, you just met 10 minutes ago. You don't want to do bondage with somebody you met just 10 minutes ago. You have to do off, more often check-ins and health, you know, all of these. You cannot trust this person to monkey around in your subconscious. That now, is extremely that, dangerous. It is. And, and the thing is, not everybody's a candidate for, for hypnosis either. No. There are some people who are never going to be able to go under. And a lot of people are going to fake it because of the entertainment value and things along those lines. But why take that kind of chance? Here is, here is now, granted, not everyone suffers from a dissociation disorder. Right. The problem is you don't no, know. That's right. If that person, that person may not even know That's right. they suffer from a dissociation disorder. So if you go into their subconscious, which they may not even be aware, worst case scenario, we always talk about what to do if the worst happens. Worst case scenario is you tap into 
their dissociative their dissociative disorder, and they go into a fugue state. Right. Now what are you going to do? Right. They don't know who they are. They don't know where they are. They don't know how they got there, and they're freaking the fuck out. And now they've dissociated. Right. You're not trained on how to manage this person's freak out. What are you going to do? You're going to leave them like that because you don't know. It's so true. It really is. So it's so insanely dangerous. And for this guy to just in blankly invite anybody who knows how to do it to come to the class well, and do to it. To tell you the truth, I was really disappointed with the program uh, people at, at Test Fest. I felt that um, uh, they did not do their due diligence with yes. this. And that was the part that really, really got me because they were making a very, very big deal about the quality uh, and experience of presenters. And I know a lot of people who wanted to present who were extremely qualified, if not overqualified, who did not get to present. Yes. And having these folks with this very, um, um, well, you know what we put it, dangerous practice uh, just going out there, putting ads out uh, ahead of time. You want to volunteer to be hypnotized. You want to volunteer to hypnotize. I just thought that was really, oh, really not so a smart move. Dangerous. And the thing is, you don't even have to talk about somebody who's in a dissociative state or someone who has that potential. Um, how about somebody who's uh, neurodivergent? I mean, there mm. are a lot of different kinds of things that are going on with people. And to put yourself in, in, in that type of a situation, you are using the scene as therapy at that particular point. And I don't think it's a good idea. Now, if you want to do entertainment as if you were in a nightclub and the hypnotist is going up there and he's going to make a bunch of people, you know, uh, cluck like chickens or whatever the case may be, not have orgasms when they see chickens, but to cluck like a chicken <laughs> or, you know, uh, all of a sudden say, oh, I'm freezing. Uh, you have and it's 90 degrees out and they want your sweater and they need another another sweater and another sweater and it's very funny and it's entertaining that's another story entirely but I think that uh and also these people who are stage hypnotists don't kid yourself they're trained they oh, really absolutely. are because uh yes. the liability okay which is presented on the part of whatever um um business is hiring them for the evening to provide that entertainment is pretty much straightforward. No. That's their liability. I have, I'm going to come clean and be totally honest with you. I dated a guy who loved to do this stuff. And, and we did it together quite a few times. And looking back on that now with the training that I have now, that was very foolhardy of me. That somewhat was, irresponsible, right. But you didn't know any better at, at that time. At that time, no, right. I did not. I was not aware of the risks right. and the dangers. Right. And only through my own therapeutic experience with my trauma counselor did I come to realize how very dangerous that was and how badly that could have turned out for me. And let me tell you something. I'm not a killjoy. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a class on erotic hypnosis but here's how you should do it someone who is a trained hypnotherapist brings yes. someone they've worked with already right and they do a demo and they discuss what is it really right and they talk about hypnosis as a therapeutic tool 
What does hypnosis do? How do we go under? Does everybody go under? Is everybody is everybody possibly a candidate for what it or they not? could have done too is hired somebody like myself who was there a you go. trained hypnotherapist right. certified kingster right i've been put under i'm very very easily hypnotizable right very i mean i have to watch i have to guard myself i could be hypnotized by a stranger on the tv right right so I have to put up my guard if I happen to see anything like so that. So we're not saying that, you know, we're, we're uh, going to kill your fun or whatever the case may no, be. No, no. But Do it responsibly. That's right. That's, that's the right. key. And I think and that's what we're talking so about So then, as the certified trained hypnotherapist can say, well, I want, you know, I want to sh- my submissive to feel... Something. I want her to feel like she's being caned when somebody says the word banana. She feels. I said, okay, we could then have a conversation with her, ask her the right questions, gauge her ability to be hypnotized. And let me be clear. Nobody does anything they don't want to do. Their conscious mind is too strong. They're never going to rob a bank. You can't train them to kill somebody. No Manchurian candidate kind right, of a thing. Right. You know. So you can do it responsibly, but asking random strangers to just show up and, and hypnotize other random strangers with no training, no backup, no plan, right. no nothing. Right, right. So... We that's always been our our key model is do it safely, right? Do it responsibly, right? Right. You know, and I think that this particular topic, I really would have loved to have sat in on the class, and we couldn't unfortunately because it just happened to be scheduled at the exact moment yeah. that we were doing our our presentation presentation right. that that right. that we were on the right. uh, responsible for. Right. So there was some other things that we saw going on that we also wanted to mention. I think that you wanted to expand on the dangers of breath play. I sure would like to expand on it. Now, um, I think that the word has gotten out to people who are producing events that breath play is not something we want to talk about. And it is certainly not something, well, maybe we want to talk about it. We want to talk about it and say, don't do it. But it is certainly uh, not something we're going to demo. And it is certainly not something we're going to um, encourage. And the reason is because people die from this. Uh, Breath play is extremely dangerous. There is no question about it. Now, there are different kinds of breath play. Not everything is choking. We're particularly talking about choking. Well, I'm particularly talking about choking at this particular moment. And there is no safe way to do choking. You have no idea how vulnerable somebody else's windpipe is. You have no idea how vulnerable yours is. Okay, and it just it just doesn't make any sense. This comes under the uh, the the heading of my kinks okay, your kinks okay. No, it is not okay. It is definitely not okay. And even with explicit prior permission, okay, or explicit prior consent, 
which is permission. Even with that, it is not a good idea. Think about it. Okay. Now, I don't know whether or not people are really aware of how many fatalities there have been over the years. So many never make the news. But I think every kink community recognizes that this is a danger and every kink community has to be brave enough to say this is not permitted. This is not something we want to see. This is not something we want to do. Think about the, about the liability if you're going to someone's home and they have a dungeon party. Think about the liability of what could go on, what could go wrong. I mean, it's like the worst nightmare. Uh, somebody passes out to the point and you can't revive them. And you didn't realize, you didn't realize they had even passed out. There you go. There you go. And then maybe they had stopped breathing and uh, you thought they were breathing. It's, it's just such a risk to take. It's a risk to Why? risk too far. There's Why? no question about it. Don't do it. And here's the other thing. Okay. There's other kinds of breath play. What's wrong with that? Um, other kinds of breath play, like holding the nostrils and your hand over the mouth and you cut off the breath. Definitely safer than choking someone around the neck um, and, and closing off the um, the breath from the windpipe. No question about it. It is safer, okay? I prefer not to do it. Putting someone in a body uh, body bag or whatever and totally, uh, uh, or a latex bag or something along those lines and just having enough room to put a straw into that person's mouth so they can suck in some air, not something I want to do. Well, here's here's another bigger problem with that. If you're doing this, and you, you're you choking your partner. You can see them responding. You, you can see that they're passing out. You can see that they're struggling to breathe. You can, you can see the physical changes going on in the body. If you put somebody in one of those latex bags. You cannot. All right. you see, all you have is that little hole for the That's straw. Right. You can't see what their eyes are rolling into the back of their That's head. Right. You can't see that they haven't started breathing again. You can't see anything. So you have no way of knowing. There's no safeguard. There's no safe word. There's no drop a hanky. If you're in the dungeon and you're playing with someone and the music is super loud and you will not be able to hear them scream their safe word at the top of their lungs, you give them uh, their underwear. Tell them to hold their underwear in hand, and if you drop the underwear, I'll see that you drop the underwear, and I will come to you right away and say what's going on. You can't do any of that. They're basically in this body bag, and then you finish the scene, you open up the body bag, and they're dead. And you didn't even know they died because you didn't see any of those changes going on, and you thought they were okay, and they didn't signal that they were dead. Because well, now, of course, it's a worst case scenario. But let me tell you it's something. Crazy. I'm sure it's happened. Oh, it's just of course so it's happened. It's scary to the point of mind boggling. Yeah. So we we always talk about how to do the things that we want to do, how to do the edge play, how to do interrogation scenes, how to do um, you know mind fuck, how to do a mind fuck. We, you know, we talk, we always say like, um, knife play. You take out this big, gnarly, sharp, serrated, uh, knife 
and you say, eh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut you up with this knife. And you blindfold them and you get out your little plastic, right? you know, your little plastic right. knife. When you rub that up and down their body, yeah. it feels like a big gnarly knife. Yes, it does. And they saw the big gnarly knife. So they're in their brain saying, oh my God, big gnarly knife. But it's really this little plastic knife that you got from the hotel, you know, uh, diner, the, the dining room in the hotel. That's how you can do these sorts of edge play safely. There is no way to do breath play safely. It is really true. It really isn't. It really, really isn't. And, and I think that if you can't think of anything else that is edgy, then you need to think a little bit more. And look at some other possibilities because there are a lot of other kinds of possibilities. And again, um, with any kind of edge play, we always say explicit prior consent. And that goes for any kind of play yeah. at all. Anyhow. I, I At the risk of sounding like, you know, like we're two old ladies who don't know how to do kink or, or live dangerously or anything. We always go back to safety. You just met this guy 10 minutes ago. Breath play is your fetish. Breath play is your kink play. You just met this guy 10 minutes ago. You're going to let this guy, the stranger, you don't even know his name, do breath play on you? You There's no trust there. There's no trust factor there. There's, this... <laughs> It, it's just it's just death waiting to happen is really what it, it boils down to, especially if you're doing it with strangers that you just met 10 minutes ago. So I'm glad that we did not see any classes or demos on breath play. So that at least that was a relief that they're not openly supporting and saying, sure, you can do breath play here. Come, come learn how to do it. And in a, in an uh, there's, uh, there's another issue here as well. There are so many people who uh, like to uh, just live on the, uh, well, for lack of a better world, as they edge. Uh, and doing this kind of stuff with alcohol and weed in your system, you just... <laughs> You just don't know what's going on. I'm sorry, you just don't. And this is one of the things... That's right. We do not ever, 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 and I want to just reiterate, we do not ever, ever, ever play when high. And that has any kind of drug, including alcohol as a drug, and definitely not weed either, because you have lost touch with... um, Your reaction time. Yeah, absolutely. Reaction time is slower. And, you know, it's not... It's. I understand that there are therapeutic benefits to things like ketamine... Also, uh, the things like um, ecstasy, ecstasy and, uh, and other things as well. But all of this therapeutic stuff that's going on with these psychedelic type drugs or um, uh, whatever you want to call them are all done under the um, um, supervision of very well qualified professional clinicians. This is not done otherwise. I mean, you know, as uh, somebody um, who has a, a, a experience with psychedelic drugs, um, I would say that um, nothing is as it seems, absolutely nothing. And even though they may not be the kind of danger that things like opioids or 
you know, um, heroin, heroin and fentanyl and things along those lines. They're dangerous because they change your perception of what is going on. So anything that is changing your perception of what is going on, do not do it. Alcohol, forget about it. Weed, don't do it. It just doesn't make any sense. It really, really doesn't. So here, here's an example of this. So, you, you, you know, you smoke a little weed in the room, and then you go down to the dungeon. You string your partner up. And you, you tie him up. You do something. Um, attach him to the, restrain him to the bench, restrain him to the cross. Right. And something happens, and they pass out. And you're stoned. You'll be like, oh, that's interesting. Hmm, maybe I'll get a snack. Then I'll figure out what to do. It you just know, doesn't like occur to you. you know? Your, your yeah, mental faculties. The first thing you should fucking do when you see your partner pass out is, is go over there ace, like, at, at that second. Undo them. Lower them to the ground. Find out, are they having a heart attack? Are they a diabetic and you didn't know? Get help. Get, flag your DM. Flag Every the dungeon monitor. Every one of these events has emergency medical. Right there. Right, technicians right on board. They Did are they all there. they have a blood sugar attack? That's and, right. And they passed out. That's right. Are they having a heart attack? Right. What Whatever. Chances of that. Yeah, but still. Your recognition of that is quite diminished if you're under the influence if you're, of if anything. You're going to be like, well, that's interesting. Maybe or even if you do don't do that, what if you that? panic? What if you panic? <laughs> now you got two people who are in bad shape. You got one person passed out and the other person going, oh my God, I don't right, know what to right, do. Right. And because in a dungeon space, all right, there is so much screaming carrying on and loud music to begin with. Yeah. Nobody knows what the hell is going on. Right. And you've just given yourself a, a, an unbelievable traumatic experience. Now you are going to have PTSD <laughs> and your, your, your victim. Uh, I mean, this is just, you know, common sense, folks. We can't emphasize this too much. I know we did, uh, you know, uh, episodes before on this. But having gone to this big event and, and having seen what we saw, there were other things going on as well in the dungeon. We saw some rigging. It's like, whoa, where oh are you? God. Where are you, dungeon monitors? And why are you allowing this? It's mind-boggling oh, to me. And, and all I could see in my brain was not what was there, but what was going to happen right. at some point. Right. Uh, and he and the, the, the ranking wasn't even securely on the yeah. floor. Yeah. It, it, she kept swinging. And every time she swung towards... Swung. Swung. <laughs> swung. Sorry. <laughs> Grammar was not my strong suit. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> swung towards me. The back of the unit, the back lifted of the frame right. was lifting up. And I'm right. like, Like when we were kids in the, in, the, in the playground and you were on the swings, you know? And when and, you were going and, too high, it would lift off from the ground and then you'd start to scream. And, and, and I'm just like... Is the thing going to collapse? I, 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 I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do either. So how, what like, did we do? What did somebody we found, do? We found a DM. That's right. We found a DM and, and we, we said, said, okay, look, um, every time she swings this way, the back of the thing is, is coming up. If it comes up high enough, 
it could tip over altogether. Right. And tip over onto people right. who are in the play space directly in front of it, but on the right. other side of the aisle. Because right. there's always an aisle. It's like That's the red right. carpet. There's That's always right. an aisle where yeah. there's play inside the circle and play outside the right. circle. And that gives the people a chance to right. migrate and watch the scenes. Not to mention the severe injury to the uh, bottom. That was really something. It, it was really, it was amazing, and I have seen that kind of thing over and over again. And yeah, once. it was just. Um, and I don't stay. You know, uh, people say, "Well, you don't don't tell a DM. You never interrupt a scene." Okay, well, you got to tell a DM then. Go ahead, go get somebody over there did. because this is no good. We did. You can't do this. May I mention one other thing? Don't do. And we actually we actually did it in the middle of our scene. You went over. That's I did. I did. Because we, we were, we felt it was that yeah. urgent. It was really we, we stopped our scene, and you went over and said something. You got to it. have spotters when 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 you do a heavy duty rigging scene, particularly if you're rigging a big person. You've got to have spotters because the equipment is only so good. Even if it's good equipment, mm. it is only so good. And you've got to have spotters. Sometimes spotters will stand. Let's say if it's uh, like a tra uh, an A-frame type of rigging, people, spotters will stand at the four points and will make sure that that piece of equipment is not leaving the ground. And that's good. There's no question about it. There are other people who will check the um, uh, your knots and make sure, and you can always ask for help, check my knots. See if my knots are good, okay? Not everybody's a perfect um, uh, knot tire. Let's face it. They just aren't. You can always ask for help. The other thing, too, is do you have your safety scissors? They're not sitting in the bottom of your play bag, which is over, uh, you know, in some chair or underneath the chair or something. Do you have your safety scissors? What if you got to get somebody out of the rope? Quick. Where are those safety scissors? We talk about this all the time. We have spoken of this before on podcasts, but it bears repeating. And may I mention one other thing in talking about the rigging? People in dungeons, when you go to a public pay, play space, like we did with this huge event, 600 people, there were probably 300 people in the dungeon that night. It was gigantic. And there was music. And there were a lot of people. And the entire dungeon, and when I say the entire dungeon, I mean it, um, was uh, at, on its last nerve because of the screaming of one woman mm. who was rigged up on a, uh, an A-frame, I think it was, her screaming. And he was hitting her, and she was screaming. I never heard such blood-curdling screams. There was no one in the dungeon who could play without hearing this person, and not just hearing, but having their own scene, scene disturbed. It is the height of irresponsibility. It is the height of rudeness. It is the height of... Um, the top, um, for top, allowing it. top for uh, his ego, completely and totally out of control. So I went over to a DM and I said, how about stopping that scene? And the DM looks at me like and shrugs his shoulders. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, if you don't stop the scene, I'm going over there. And I'm going to shove a pair of panties in her mouth to shut her up. He says, no, 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 no don't do that. I'll, I'll, I'll stop it. Well, of course he stopped it. That's really unnecessary. I mean, come on. Is that the kind of thing that we want to do? Ruin everybody else's play to show off? And I don't care what that was. Gagger, put a pair of panties, or cut it out. Now, how much of it was real and how much of it was, you know, entertainment value? 
here's the situation. So here's what it was inconsiderate. Oh, I couldn't believe it. It was so hard. It was the height of inconsiderate behavior. Why did it take me to have to stop that? What the hell was going through the mind of the of the dungeon monitor? Well, again, we don't know how much training these dungeon there monitors There you go. Got. Hello. But the other thing that that we're all playing in this dungeon. It's a public dungeon. Yes. Everybody does their own separate scenes, but there still has to be some level of well, if I scream bloody murder, everyone else in the dungeon is going to be affected by it. But that did not enter into the concept or the what these two people were doing. They, they were such a distraction. In, they, Do you remember the days when we used to say, um, shh, quiet down, these people are playing? You know, don't overdo it because they're doing this heavy duty scene or something and you watch respectfully. Do you remember those days? That, that seems to be gone. People aren't as considerate of other people's space and other people's. Uh, I've had people walk through right through the scene. Right. 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 They're, you're practically tripping over this stranger yeah. and you're like, excuse me. Yeah. And they're looking at you like you're nuts. Right. These things aren't being taught. Nobody is telling and teaching people scene etiquette. No one is telling. Well, we are. What we do because <laughs> we know what we're talking That's about. That's what, we know we're, what doing. we're doing. How about teaching dungeon monitors? How about classes? Don't they do that? Yeah, they do. Well, obviously, it's not getting through to people now. Years ago, when there was a, um, I think it was a, uh, it was a brimstone. Or maybe it was um, the floating world. I don't really don't remember which event it was, but uh, my partner and I at the time actually traveled to Connecticut and Massachusetts to give the classes on dungeon monitoring for those events. We tra actually traveled overnight, and we did like four. Maybe we even did six classes, dungeon monitoring classes. Mm. And it was a whole big thing. We did a slideshow. We asked questions. We gave them tests. We did all this kind of stuff because, let's face it, you're playing, you're playing with fire. And here's another one, playing with fire. Mm. Now, uh, generally speaking, when we do an event and you do have a, um, a, a dungeon thing, you don't play with fire in a lot of them. Some of them will allow it. If they do allow it, they want to be a, a, they want the dungeon monitors to know that this is what you intend to do. There is a uh, fire extinguisher nearby. There should also be a bucket of water or a fire blanket, things along those lines. Now, we've seen fire play in small parties, home parties, dungeon parties, that are done kind of responsibly, as far as I could see. I watched when I was sitting maybe five feet away from it, and I saw that they had a fire blanket, and they had other blankets, and they had wet towels and things along those lines. And but a I, spotter. And a spotter. And I also saw uh, at a, a small dungeon party somebody setting somebody else on fire who was wearing white cotton panties. And I said, jeez, whoa wait <laughs> and I stopped it immediately I didn't call for help or whatever I just walked right in there and I said whoa stop it right now either she, she takes that this. that off or you put an asbestos apron on or do something 
Because this white cotton panties to go up like like that. And then the other and, thing I said to her, her, she had very long hair. I said, tie up her hair, for God's sakes. Now, obviously, this was a guy who should never have been playing anywhere with fire. But there you go. This is what happens to people. So, again, what, what are we talking about? Things you should not do. We always tell you the things you should do, the things you can do, the fun you can have. So what we want to tell you today is what not to do. So let's be, there are some things like breath play that we say absolutely not. Absolutely not. And erotic hypnosis also not. Fire play can be done responsibly and safely given certain uh, must-have things. Absolutely. must have a spotter. Right. You, your, your bottom is, let's say, laying on a massage table. Your, you can't be everywhere around that bottom all the time. Your, your, your space can only take up one space in the universe. So you need somebody who's going to be on the other side of that person's body because your eyes cannot see if the fire is curling exactly around under her butt. That's right. That's why you need the person on the other side of the table to see with a wet tail with a wet towel. Or a fire blanket. Or a fire blanket. Right. And then they can they can right. see what you your vision is blocked from right. seeing. So you absolutely need at least three people. A spotter on the other side, and maybe even an extra spotter. That will go head to toe and keep, you know, looking just to see. Because that fire is in a Without second. A in a second. And goes from one place using, to another place. You're using spray alcohol. I mean, you know. And you're, you're, not aware, yeah. you're not aware where the aerosol is actually taking these dots. You know, it'll be ending up in places you didn't intend. Like pubic hair or, you know. Um, things so not want... to do in this case, don't do it if you don't know what you're doing. Apprentice yourself to somebody Apprentice. who knows what the hell they're doing. Learn what it is. It, it is incredibly exciting. It is unbelievably exciting to an audience, never mind you and your victim, but to the audience. And there's always going to be an audience, let's face it. There is entertainment value in this. Let's not kid ourselves and say there isn't. There always is. So the thing is, apprentice yourself to somebody who knows what the hell they're doing. Take it slowly. You don't have to set somebody on fire. That's not what you're doing. You're doing what's called fire play. You're working on a specific part of the body, okay? You've got to have your spotters. I saw something new in the world of fire play. It's called fire toweling. Uh-huh. And what they do is the person lays down on a table, massage table, front or back. They take a towel, a white towel. Um, they get a certain percentage of alcohol. It's like a, a certain kind, and it's a certain percentage. It's a very specific type of alcohol that you need to get. They... Soak this towel in this alcohol, and they take one of those like marshmallow batons. Right, it looks like a baton with like a marshmallow on it. Right, and they will dip that in the fire, and they will dip it into the towel, and the towel will catch on fire, and the bottom raises their one 
finger for warm, a second finger for medium, like getting hot, and the third finger comes up, they, they snuff out the fire, the towel has gotten too hot, and, and it reached as much heat as the person can stand. And then they massage the area through the fire blanket that, you know, and then they pull up the towel and they do the next part of the body. Same thing. Light the towel, one, two, three, put a towel out. So that I have seen, but still, you still need the spotter. Right. Because your line of vision is blocked. By the body. By the body. Sure. You can't lean over and and see what's on the other side because you, you can't because now you're in the fire. You can't lean over a person and you're on fire. So you need that person on the other side. You need the fire extinguisher. God forbid you, some asshat's walking through the scene and tips over your Whoa. tips over your table with the fire and the alcohol. And now, you know, because they, they didn't know enough scene etiquette to stay out of the fucking scene. And they trip and knock the table over. I mean, it happens. You wouldn't think it happens, but it happens. Of course. So that's, you know, these are the sorts of things that we were seeing at, at this particular huge event that we went to. Let me mention one more that I, I, I was watching also. And I don't know what, um, uh, you know, to what extent the people who were playing were aware of what it was that they were doing um, or what the, uh, what the circumstances were as a whole. Now, what do I mean by that? Blood play. Okay, blood play is also very, very exciting. There are a lot of people get into blood play. It's edge play. It's very exciting. There's usually areas. Well, very exciting as long as you're not, you don't faint at the sight of blood. Uh, there's usually areas that are very well lit. Uh, uh, people might call it the medical play area in an event or something along those lines so people know what they're doing. Also very important when you're doing this kind of stuff, you need the area to be well lit. Don't kid yourself. Being dark, yeah, it could be kind of romantic or sexy or hot, but you need the area to be lit. You gotta know what you're doing and you gotta see what you're doing. Here's the thing. There is more and more um, uh, opportunities. There are more and more opportunities these days for bad infections. Um, I'm sure everybody has heard of sepsis. I am sure everybody has heard of bacterial uh, flesh-eating diseases, all different kinds of crazy crap. Now, the thing is, not everybody's a candidate for this kind of stuff, but somebody could be for a candidate for this kind of stuff. Please be careful when you're doing this. You must have explicit prior consent to do anything having to do with blood play. The days of worrying about HIV, um, some people would have you believe are completely and totally over. That's not true either, okay? The proper precautions, yes, we take them. So you think everything's okay because you're wearing gloves. Not the case. Absolutely not the case, okay? You've got to use your head. You've got to use alcohol. You have got to make sure that everything that you are using on your bottom has been incredibly well sterilized. Do not insert any type of uh, equipment to break the skin and hit blood without making sure what you are using has been extraordinarily well sanitized. This is critical information, 
I mean, truly no, critical. And we're, we're talking not just sanitized with a, a sandy wipe. That's right. A Clorox wipe. We're talking boiled. Sterilized. Sterilized. That's right. Um, you're using needles. Make what sure those the... needles are sterile needles. The and package then, has never been opened. That yes, that unit dose. Right. Unit dose. Or um if you go get a tattoo, let's say, they have a a I cannot remember the name of the box, but they have a, a sterilizing like box and there's a specific name for it, which at the moment is escaping me. But uh they put their equipment in the box and it's UV sterilized and it's um someday I'll remember. Maybe I'll put it in the show notes when I, I saw it out. somebody using needles, dropped a needle and then used the needle. And yeah. I just, you know, I just uh, 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 it was happening right in front of me and it just I I could not believe what I was seeing and I and I did not speak up quickly enough. It was done. You know, it was done. And it was like, oh my god. You can give someone a bacterial infection Without that way. Without a doubt. In sec- like, and that's it. It goes in and it's in. It's in your bloodstream now. Yeah. Hello? The other thing that... that we- now, thank goodness, most people's immune systems are strong enough to be able to ward this stuff off. Okay? Most people. Most people. 95% of the people, probably. I don't know about that number, but whatever. It sounds good. Um, <laughs> but in any event, it's the 5% that are not. Okay? And, you just and don't who knows know. what was on that floor? Oh, you just my picked God. that up. From a dungeon. Do you know what kind of bodily fluids are coming out? But people are wearing shoes. What if they tracked in from the outside? I don't want to think about it. Um, And all kinds of sex things. It's just just amazing. uh, uh, All different kinds of... And you know, I I don't want to freak people out. I don't want to make people so afraid that they don't want to play. And and again, we want to emphasize we're not two old ladies who are telling you, shame, shame. You shouldn't be doing any of this. What we're saying is it's always safety first. And a lot of us who've been Common playing for years safety. are just as bad as the newbies. We forget about the things that we've learned. I mean, you know, the more I read about things like bacterial infections and sepsis in particular, I mean, this is something that happens so much more than people realize. Yeah. And that's just, I, I do believe that comes from like a, a it, it could come from anything as simple as a strep. A uh, certain type of a, a strep infection. I mean, just whether it does or whether it doesn't, the point that I'm making to you is there are things not to do in kink play. And do not take anything for granted. Remember what we told you when you first got started. And we'll tell you again and again and again. Newbies, oldies, whatever it happens to be. Please be careful. And make sure before you do anything you get explicit prior consent. I think also with, with especially with the breath play and the rigging and the blood play and the fire play, you need a spotter. You need a third person. Yes, you do. Here's, here's another scenario that could happen. You rig your person up and um, you're the top and... and you're a diabetic and you've been so busy all day that you forgot to eat dinner and your blood sugar drops and you and you pass out. Well, your person is still hanging from the you know, hanging from the, the frame 
and they're upside down, all the blood's rushing to their head, and they need to get down because they're going to pass out, but you're already on the ground, and now what's going to happen? More often than not, that can happen. And where are the scissors? And the bottom is somebody's play bag. And we don't even know whose play bag. Yeah. Where is the play bag? You know, like... It's always a good idea to have a spotter. Just to have somebody... If you're doing anything except spanking... You know, it's it, you know, it's so anything with any kind of bondage, um, any kind of these, you know, rigging the fire play, but just having that second person, they're not even involved in the scene. They're just standing in case, in case something happens. And you know, the great way to meet a third person who can be a spotter for you in the dungeon you can meet them at kinky speed dating. <laughs> you know, and and who knows? You guys get to be more friendly. There you go. They could be a third party. There you go. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. so they're, they're, it's it's not so rigid. But we, you know, oh, that'll never happen to me. I I always take care of my health. Or oh, that then shit happens sometimes Absolutely. for no reason whatsoever. Absolutely. Stuff happens. You know, some of the scenes that we do are hugely uh, uh, time and and emotional, you know, um, ability, our emotional ability to cope with a scene that we thought we want, like, yeah. we thought would like. Yeah, that's why we have safe words. You know, and, and then it turns out to uh, turn out to be a scene that, that, that you hate and, and you don't know how to stop it. Um, it's true. It's very true. There's no question about yeah. it. So we um, just want safety. It, it, that's what we're about. That's what we're about. We're not telling you don't play. We're not telling you don't have a great time. We're not telling you any of that kind of stuff. We're telling you to use your head. Really, seriously, just well, use your head. Some the breath play we told well, you not yeah. to do. That's that's the one we're not giving an inch no. on that one. And the erotic hypnosis. Right. No. Right. No. Right. Right. Because we've seen it. We've seen how, how it can go, go wrong. So wrong. And that's not something we want to do. One of the things, I think we're coming to the end of this topic. Yes. Um, but one of the things I wanted to mention is I am hoping by this time, um, so many of our listeners have gotten their own copies of Tristan Terramino's book, a Part oh. of the Heart That Can't Be Eaten, and have listened to our wonderful, wonderful interview with Tristan. She is one of our trusted kink partners. Yeah. We absolutely adore this woman. And you will too if you read her book and uh, if you listen to our um, our interview with her. She's just she's Phenomenal. just a fount of, a fount of knowledge, remarkable person, been there. She's done that, and she still has all the enthusiasm of a what eighteen-year-old. She's just, she's just the greatest. I, I, I call her. her the one and only. That's right, absolutely. That's right. She That's right. is my kink muse. Yeah, she's an inspiration. <laughs> she really is. She's an inspiration. Yes. And even though I'm a lot older than she is, she still inspires me. She and really, I really found does. She, I found, I found her in the scene. I was very new in the scene. Right. I was also new to my bisexuality. Right. And she was, was, and still is just this smoking hottie. Right. And one of the things that that I just love about her is this is a woman who goes after what she wants. And boy, oh boy, those are the kinds of women we. Uh, 
We like. We like those kinds <laughs> of women. We want to be those women. We want to teach younger women to be those women, et cetera, et cetera. So we've got a lot of stuff coming up in the next couple of months. There's a couple of really interesting events that are going to be happening uh, between now and the next uh, few uh, podcasts. And uh, we'll be here to talk about them and report on them and interview more people. Uh, we've got a great uh, uh, couple of guests coming up. I'm not even going to tell you who they are. You're going to have to follow us on the website. You're going to have to uh, uh, so, check us out. Let me tell you, if you have questions or comments, uh, if you have uh, a different opinion on something that we discussed today. Yeah, let's hear it. We want to know. We want to hear it. Email us at two. Uh, email us at tkw at twokinkywomen.com. Of course, that's the numeric two. Sign up for the newsletter. We do not sell your information. Never, never. Right. And we only bug you once a month. That's right. Just to let you know what the new episode is for that month. And when you sign up for the newsletter, you get a free beginner's guide to kink, which is full full of information and ways to have fun and ways to do it all and, and definitions and right. uh pictorials and and mm, charts and infographics infographics yeah speaking of the infographic too every month on the website to kickywomenpodcast.com this do numeric too you can download your free infographic which tells you the top Five things you need to know from this episode. Listen, guys, get that infographic because before too long, if uh, Midnight Lady and I have our way, maybe you'll have to spend a lot of money to get that and maybe it'll be published in a book. You never know. So in any event, <laughs> grab those infographics. They're, they're terrific. Free. They're free. And they're free. And every month we send out an email newsletter that also has more free downloadable goodies. There you go. Because oh, I love Canva. Come on, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And you're terrific at it, too. So I hope that this was a... a, a Informative. Informative, educational, but fun um, uh, podcast for you guys. Please listen to us uh, and tell your friends to listen to us uh, anywhere you get your podcast. We're there. We're everywhere. We're like fairy uh, dust. Yeah. (laughs) Fairy dust. Absolutely. (laughs) We're like fairy dust. And uh, who knows? Maybe at the next event, we'll uh, all run into each other. You'll know us because we always go with, um, oh, shall we say, special little things that we give out. And we wear t-shirts that say, two kinky women. Women. So you'll know us. Come on up and say hello. And we are two kinky women. And we, we want you to be kinky too. We sure do. The more the merrier, right? Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.